On this episode of Dear Future CRO, we talk to Debbie McClure, VP Sales of Americas at Dropbox. Debbie shares more about the importance of diversity in sales and how that diversity can be achieved through mentor and mentee relationships and sponsorships. Hi, and welcome to Dear Future CRO, brought to you by Hunters and Unicorns, presented by Esther Iamu, CEO and founder of GrowthQ, and me, Kieran Bajar of Culture Crunch. Today, Esther and I are absolutely thrilled to be joined by Debbie McClure, the VP of Sales Americas at Dropbox. Debbie, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Hi, Esther. We are so, hey, hey. How are you, Kieran? <laughs> yeah, good as ever. Good to see you. We are very, we're really excited to have you here, Debbie. We have so much to chat about. Um, obviously, you and I go way back, and uh, but our listeners don't necessarily know you very well. And so I'd love for you to share your career journey from, from your perspective. Sure, sure. Yep. Uh, it's been a journey. So I've been in sales, gosh, over 30 years, and I've been in sales leadership for over 20 years. And uh, I literally have been all over sales, meaning inside sales, outside sales, uh, net new customer acquisition, retention and expansion, direct sales, channel sales, global sales, regional sales, PLG sales, SLG sales, and you name it. I think I've done it in that 30 years time. Uh, so it's it's been a journey and I absolutely love it. Fantastic. That's incredible. That's incredible. Debbie, you've got an incredibly strong, prominent reputation within the within the sales space. Um, I know our viewers and, and me <laughs> were all keen to to know more about how you got into sales, Deb, and what made you stay. It's a great question. Uh, so I'll tell you a little story. When I graduated from college, I actually was a, a business economics major out of UC Santa Barbara. And when I graduated, I went into finance and I worked for a bank who had just acquired another bank. And I remember going into work every day and spending eight hours in a cubicle looking at the walls. And I was I was ensuring that every input was was verified and accurate. And I would just count the minutes to the break, count the minutes to lunch. And I knew at that moment I had to be around people. <laughs> so I went to my biggest fan and mentor, my father. And I said, Dad, I just can't do this. And he's the one that said, why don't you try some sales? And uh, so I, I uh, got an interview uh, with AT&T at the time, which later became Lucent. Uh, and I went into sales and, uh, it was, it was exhilarating and made me incredibly scared. And, uh, it was fantastic. I love talking to people. I love solving problems. That's why I stayed in sales because no day is exactly the same. It's always different. And you're meeting new people and uh, new companies and you're understanding their, their challenges and their successes. And uh, you're trying to help. You're trying to help uh, that business. So uh, that's why I've stayed in, in sales. I love solving problems. I love it. Um, you know, it, we get this all the time when, when folks talk about their experience about getting into sales. And there's always somebody in their life that saw something in them 
that says, you know, you would be great at sales, right? Um, I'd love to get your perspective on um, the mentors you've had in your life, uh, the purpose and and what they've driven in your life and in your career. Um, and then what your experience has been being not just a mentee, but also a mentor. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll answer those questions, maybe intertwine them a tad. You just said a word that really resonates with me and that's purpose. So to be a mentor is really about the purpose. It uh, It's meaningful to give back for what others have done for me. I've had some amazing mentors and sponsors throughout my career and um, in all different type of mentoring too, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's peer mentors, uh, a few I really stand out when you ask that question. I can almost visualize a few in my life um, and were really pivotal pivotal on the, the course that I took within my career. So um, I remember uh, being advised, hey, Deb, you know, we know you can sell. We know you can lead uh, sales teams. You're successful. We got that. But to move up in the in a corporation, you really need to have some operational chops. So a rotational uh, to go into a, an operational um, capacity is going to be good for your career. And I remember that was more of a situational mentorship from a, a high level exec at the company I was at at the time. Um, and I took that advice uh, and it was one of the best moves I've ever made because it really taught me to and it taught me. Uh, to look at the business in a, in a different perspective. Um, so I've had many, many mentors along the way, and they've helped me through so many, so many things in, in my career, um, big things and little things. So going back to why it's gratifying to be a mentor, it's really about that purpose to pass it on um, and to pay it forward for others so that uh, they can learn from my successes and more importantly, my mistakes. Well, love that, especially the the play it forward point. I think that's uh, so powerful. And um, so, Debbie, something that one of the things that Esther and I like to talk to each other about a lot <laughs> is um, scaling leadership. Okay, and you know we're really keen to understand your perspective on this as as a, a people manager yourself. What role do you think mentorship plays when we're talking about scaling leadership? Yeah. Um, well, there's different types of mentorship. Um, so I, like I mentioned, there's, there's one-on-one mentorship. So, um, what I've seen in some of the, the greatest companies, uh, is that when someone's coming on to the company, they have an onboarding buddy. That's a great one-on-one mentorship. That is a peer mentorship. Um, there is situational mentorship. Um, like, so if you are, um, perhaps recording a sales call. You, others can learn from that best-in-class sales call. So uh, it's more on-demand, situational. There's also situational mentorship of, hey, talk to so-and-so. They've, they've done this before, right? That's more on-demand. Um, and and there's more, uh, there's, there's also career mentorship where, where folks in the organization can seek out somebody in the organization uh, that has had a similar journey and uh, perhaps either have a, a, a one or many type of uh, conversation with that person um, and, and be more strategic about their career. 
Uh, and um, I, I really also think that there's, to scale an organization, folks that want to uh, push themselves in their career and maybe go on to the next level uh, to be take a leadership position for a strategic initiative. And uh, we have a lot of strategic initiatives going in my current company and a member of my leadership team is the sponsor and then maybe someone's the, the leader of that initiative. So it allows different mentorship with different people, which creates more perspective. And I think really that's the key is that diversity of perspective from various people, whether it's peer or other leaders in the organization. So that helps scale leadership and kind of level up the organization uh, as, uh, as folks learn from one another. Incredibly powerful. And for, you know, if you think of the, the people leaders who are listening to this, yeah, and they're thinking, oh my gosh, there's no way I can go in and mentor everybody. Um, it, it, it sounds as if, you know, there's opportunity there for um, others in their organization to also do a bit of the same, right? In the scenario you talked about, about an executive sponsor and then a leader leading a specific strategic initiative, that sponsor can do some mentoring, but it sounds like there's others across the organization that can participate as well. Absolutely. And if you think about mentoring, it's really the four A's, right? Uh, how do you make yourself available? How do you participate in active listening? Do some analysis of what you're hearing, try to understand the situation, and then give advice. And a lot of times the best advice that resonates with the mentee is experiential advice been there before. It's not really skills-based. This is what you need to do. It's more, hey, this person has the experience. Um, talk to this person. And as long as that person, that mentor is making themselves available, actively listening, able to do that analysis, that experiential advice is often what resonates the most. So therefore, I, I think yeah, you have to turn on its head. You, you can't mentor everybody because you don't have the experiences that are necessary to give that advice to the person that in that situation. So really playing matchmaker, I think is, is the critical piece for the sponsorship. So, so important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in terms of your organization in particular, um, how do you think leaders can remove unconscious bias, unconscious bias from interviewing so going right to the beginning of someone's career when they're actually interviewing within the organization what do you think can be done there yeah so um from a best practice perspective i think that the the first thing is educating people on what unconscious bias is because it's unconscious and so really educating people about uh, and calling people out, hey, I think that's an un unconscious bias. So I think that the, the, the foundational step is education so that people know that everybody does it. It's natural. People all have grown up in different ways and, and you don't know what's there. Nobody wants to be biased consciously. It's the unconscious piece. So the education that we all do it so that we can call ourselves and others out, I think is, is critical. And then as far as folks wanting to come into the organization, uh, the, the, the second step is really 
to write very clear, specific goals of what you're looking for in that role. What's that role look like? What are the skill sets necessary for that role? Um, next, creating an interview panel that is diverse and diverse is age, race, gender, thought, experience, a diverse interview panel um, to go to interview against the skills that were clearly defined. And then the last step would be calibration of the feedback against the objectives and skills, not the person. So that's where I've, I've seen the, the best organizations, that, that formula to, to squash unbiased uh, and un unconscious bias. Are you in sales or looking to start a career in sales? Join our community at growth.co. For those looking to hire, let us help you build your talent bench. Create a profile at growthq.co. You know, an area that um, we've often talked about when you've got, um, you know, some of the best organizations um, really thrive when they're talking and addressing unconscious bias, like you've mentioned, when they're really focused on the develop, uh, development of their teams through mentorship um, and engagement, um, there's often a missing link for really thriving in, in, in careers that, that isn't talked about much, and that's sponsorship. And I'd love to get from you in, in your career, I mean, you've done so many incredible things, um, have you had some great sponsors in, in your life? And um, where have you seen yourself sponsor others? Um, or where have you not or unwanted to, right? Um, but it'd be great to hear your perspective on sponsorship that's happened for you, but areas you've been able to sponsor others. Um, so for the folks listening, they can get a feel of how to really normalize this act because it's different than mentorship very different than mentorship. So again, mentor, mentorship, I think of as, you know, more advice, you know, how, what should I do here? How do we do here? Can you brainstorm with me on this? Sponsorship is really someone advocating for you when you're not in the room. So it could be amplifying your skill set, talking you up if you're not in the room. Oh, have, it, Esther is amazing at leadership and bringing people together. And so that that would be amplifying who Esther is, right? And when you're not in the room, letting people know of all the wonderful things that that uh, that someone can do. Um, and there's also sponsorship of, I go back to leading strategic initiatives, maybe boosting that person. I'm going to nominate this person to go lead this strategic initiative. It's kind of like, you know, boosting them in a position of leadership. Uh, that's a form of sponsorship. Um, or, uh, you know, what you asked me with some of the sponsors, um, I've had great sponsors. Uh, another form of sponsorship is connecting you to uh, very senior executives. So I've had a great sponsor that connected me to that senior executive that gave me the advice of doing an operational rotation. Um, so that's a form of sponsorship. Uh, and um, I've also been in situations where, oh, but you know, Debbie does this, this, and this. Another form of sponsorship, and I, I, I it's so funny, I see these faces in my head as I, I talk about this, is uh, someone saying, yes, but let's let's really look at the context of, of what you're defining. So it's defending you when you're not there. Um, so I am so thankful for the sponsors that I've had in my career, and I would not 
be where I am today without those very influential and meaningful people um, that have sponsored me. And, um, and I think just like being being very deliberate about mentorship, you have to be deliberate about who are your sponsors. And I've, I've even had somebody come to me and say, will you sponsor me? Will you be my sponsor? And, and uh, I take that very seriously and I'm very authentic in yes or no. Um, and if it's no, I'll tell you why. Um, but if it's, if it's yes, I hold on to that forever. I will always be that person's sponsor. So um, it is very different. And I, I think that sponsorship is just as critical as mentorship, uh, if, if not even maybe more critical. Wow. Thank you, Debbie. Um, just to pivot away for a little bit, um, something that we're very keen to understand your perspective on is diverse interview panels, um, which, uh, you know, as a, as a people leader yourself, you know, is this something that you advocate? Is this something that your organization really propels forward? I mean, what's your, what's your opinion? And then, you know, your experience when it comes to diverse interview panels? So, so first of all, I've always been very conscious about what diversity looks like in any organization I'm leading. What's the makeup of that organization? Um, so it's critical, like I mentioned before, to have diversity of gender, race, age, thought, background. And the, the reason it's important is because, especially in sales, you need to mirror your customers, so if you don't have that diversity, you will never be successful in a sales environment because you, 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 don't, you don't have that, that well-rounded approach to your customer base. So with that said, um, I've always advocated for two things, diversity in the interview panel and diversity in the interviewees. So if if the, the, the folks going for a, uh, a job that's open, if there is not a diverse uh, set of interviewees, I will stop the process until we have one. And then on the other side, if we don't have a diverse panel of folks that are interviewing, stop the process until we have one. Um, again, because you wanna squash unconscious bias and you want to create the best organization to go and serve your customers. And the best organization to serve your customers is one that looks like your customers. Oh, I love that you shared this. And it's exactly why we really pushed to create um, the matchmaking offerings in GrowthQ, because there's two forces going here, right? We know that diverse teams produce better sales results. I mean, it's just statistically it's there. Yeah. I mean, in every category, attainment lead to conversion rate. I mean, you independent diverse teams lead to better results. Um, going after diverse teams is, and, and really doing the work there isn't easy, right? It takes intentionality. Um, but the other force that's going against this is speed every day, week, quarter, every day, week, month, or quarter that goes by that a role is not filled with the right talent is money that's that that you know is passed up right i mean there's there's a goal a plan that needs to be attained right um to help the company get to their revenue goals and every every you know like i mentioned day week month quarter that that role is not filled means that the 
revenue isn't attained. And so it's really important for us at Growth to You to be able to help match both either interviewers or talent to roles as fast as possible. Speed is so critical for the hiring manager um, because everybody wants to do the right thing. Everybody wants the right team that's going to get to that right revenue number, which we know is a diverse one. Um, but if, if, you know, getting access to that talent could be hard, it, it shortens the time frame or it elongates the time frame to be able to close that gap. Right. Well, especially in uh, uncertain economic conditions where, uh, you know, you can in, in corporate world, you can lose a, a head count. Uh, quickly, perhaps. So you, you you've got to balance that um, speed with uh, with with the process. Totally. One thing you mentioned earlier, and I want to quickly go back to it, is the importance of rotational opportunities for your career. And we talk a lot about this. Um, uh, Kieran and I talk a lot about this, and it's it's why what's been really important to us with GrowthQ is creating taxonomy to make internal mobility equitable. Right. But can you talk to me about rotational opportunities that have been great for your career and maybe ones that you've seen not done so well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, So every rotational opportunity has was great for my career. Now, I might not have thought so at the time, but now where I am, I look back and I think, that's why I did that. That's why that was in my career. So every rotational opportunity broadens your perspective so that when you are in a situation and you need to pull from that experience, um, you know what to do, or at least you know what worked and didn't work in the past, which you know kind of directs and informs you on, on what the strategy should be. So I, I think every, every rotational has been beneficial to my career. Um, it allows strategic thinking, a bigger perspective. Uh, so from the operational rotation that I talked about, uh, really understanding the return on resources, where you're putting your investment where and, and how that return on impact on effort uh, comes back to the business and where you where you need to make big bets and invest. And um, so so that was great. I've had global rotations, um, which have been amazing because you think, Oh, everything should be the same. And then you go and you go into a different region, you said, and they say, no, everything's different. And I, okay, tell me how, you know. And so you've got to really listen and understand the differences as well as the synergies and adjust and uh, adjust to the, the strategy appropriately. So I've had I've had great, great experiences. I would say um, the experience that didn't work out so well. Um, probably goes back to the operational uh, rotation because after about two years, I'm like, okay, I've had enough. I need to go back to sales now because I like people. I like solving problems. I want to go back to sales. And my sponsors have left. So the lesson that I learned was it was very hard to come back because they saw me in this, another light. People that were in the job saw me in in a different capacity. So uh, the lesson I learned there was that I needed to work and, and make very um, make, make a conscious effort 
to ensure that I had sponsors and many sponsors while I was in that rotational so that I could, you know, transition back to a, 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 a you know, back to the sales role. So it took me longer than, than I wanted because I, I lost my sponsors along the way. Yeah. And, and if you think about that too, just hearing that your sponsors left because they could translate, they could see how your skills could translate back in. Um, but it sounded like in current situation, in looking at your skills, there wasn't a clear uh, translation for you to translate back in from their perspective. That's, that's um, right. They, didn't, they, saw, they knew me in a different, you know, doing this job, not, not another. So you, creating the sponsors and educating your sponsors on all you've done. Uh, so, and that's what I had basically had to redo, uh, which took time. So you know, keeping it, keeping it conscious. Selfishly, I asked that last one, Kieran. You know, I love asking the last. No, I I was about to say, I was about to say, Deb, we have one question left, and Esther's going to ask it because it's a great question, firstly, and it's, I mean, it's special to me, but it's exceptionally near and dear to to Esther's heart. So, crack on, E. You you go. Could not help it. I, um, you know, Kieran and I, the whole reason why we created. Um, Dear Future CRO was to speak to the next generation of revenue leaders across the industry. And um, for all of our revenue le leaders and future revenue leaders listening, what's your love letter for that future CRO listening? So if you could finish this sentence, Debbie, and give the best advice, dear future CRO, what would you say? Dream big, take risks, and most importantly, be authentic to yourself. Chills. Love it. <laughs> so many chills. So many chills. Thank you so much, Debbie. Um, from the four A's to sharing your personal journey to really enlightening us around rotations and mentorship and sponsorship and skills translation. Um, this has been so, so valuable. What do you think, Karen? Absolutely. I think, I mean, I completely agree and echo everything Esther has just said, but also Debbie, hearing about how that the tangible ways in which you've advocated diversity on both the, you know, from the interviewer side to the interviewee, you know, really practical steps that you can see the difference that you're making within the industry, I think is phenomenal. Um, you're a, you know, a trailblazer and thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Oh, my pleasure. And it was always fun. Uh, fun is connecting with Esther and it's lovely to meet you, Kieran. Let's do it again real soon. Absolutely. Amen to that. A special thank you to Debbie for joining us today. Uh, on behalf of Esther and I, please like, share and subscribe. And we hope that you join us on our next episode of Dear Future CRO. Until then, take care. Thank you and bye-bye. Thank you.